ask most small companies on the cusp of growth about their legal strategy and I guarantee you some will say they haven't thought of one because they're so focused on running and growing the business. Don't have the budget for legal counsel because they believe they're too small to need one or they have nothing to worry about because they feel they're compliant and don't need legal as a necessary expense. In each of these cases, in the short term, it may fly, but long term, not having a legal strategy can end up costing them valuable time and money. Ask yourself two questions. Will not knowing what I don't know end up costing me in the long term? And can I really afford to wait until something happens to seek appropriate, effective legal counsel? Today, my guest and I will talk about how to plan a legal strategy for your growing company. When you ask the average business person about seeking legal counsel, the first thought that comes to their mind is, well, I haven't done anything wrong to need an attorney. Or, of course, the obvious, attorneys cost too much money and there are plenty of DIY sites where I can download documents and DIY. But retaining sound legal counsel isn't just for creating and filing documents, nor is it just for getting people out of trouble. The time to seek counsel as you'll soon hear, is before you actually need it. It is also a smart strategic business move. Next to hiring your employees, finding great legal counsel is an important piece of growing a great company. Those large companies with an entire legal team were once small companies that started out with at least one attorney, and having that protective ally enabled them to make crucial decisions to take vital steps to grow and scale their companies. Lenore Horton, who is my guest today, is an attorney, growth consultant, and serial entrepreneur on a mission to prove that legal services are more than just a cost center for growing companies. Having founded her own law firm with offices in Washington, D.C. and New York City, Lenore's clientele focuses on startups and entrepreneurs facing the next big thing, with a particular focus on marketing agencies and technology-based companies. Hailing from the Deep South, Lenore holds two law degrees, has been trained at top New York City firms and steeped in academia and cherishes her expat life in Monaco and Germany. Greatest achievement? Being self-motivated. Her bio in six words? Descendant of history. To be continued. So today's conversation is an interesting one. Today we are talking to Lenore Horton, and we want you guys to understand how vitally important it is for you to have legal representation from an early stage, even before you even think about starting a business. A lot of times people look at a legal counsel or an attorney as an added expense, but it's not. It can be the best investment that you could have for your business, because think of it this way. I'd rather pay something now than to pay a whole lot more later on. So, Lenore, talk a little bit about some of the hesitations that people have in terms of getting legal representation early on, especially when they're with a tight budget for a small startup. Um, sure. I, I think, uh, well, first, thanks, Adrian, so much for having me on. I, um, When it comes to some of the reasons I think people are reluctant to get an attorney, um, Part of that has to do with access to counsel and understanding how to select counsel and when to bring counsel in. Um, and I think that can make it difficult for um, for those who are new to 
starting a business or early stage startups for them to actually get some meaningful help. Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to the cost aspect of it, a lot of times people are looking at it from a transaction standpoint. Yeah. They want to know what are the hard deliverables that they'll be getting from the attorney instead of focusing on the advice mm -hmm. and the value that that advice brings in helping them structure and order and prioritize um, the, the effort that they're making mm -hmm. in the early stages. Um, I think, you know, it's not just an issue of cash being scarce. There's also an issue of time and attention being scarce in the beginning of uh, business. Right. And what you put your time and attention to needs to really provide a return on that investment of your time. And so here is one way where I've seen it's been extremely beneficial for startups and early stage companies to get counsel involved. Mm -hmm. um, you know, spinning your wheels, looking online, trying to do things yourself, um, or putting a lot of energy into a program that actually can't be legally compliant right. um, ends up taking away a crucial resource, and that is you. That's the one thing I can't replace mm -hmm. as counsel. Uh, I can do legal work, but I can't be the CEO of your company. And the more I can do to keep you from getting in the weeds of the legal matters um, where I'm the most competent, then the better off the company is going to be because its leader can then be in a true leadership position. Right. Absolutely. I agree 100%. There are a lot of things, but I think legal is like the biggest one that people say, oh, it's, be, be, behind legal is recruiting, is finding the right talent and hiring people. Those are the two things that people skimp on because they feel it's too expensive. As a small business, I can't afford that at this stage. But they really should be planning this before they even put their shingles up because you need to stay compliant, number one. That's first and foremost to stay out of trouble. And number two, you need to have somebody to protect you to make sure that you're following in the right footsteps and doing the right things that you need to do to grow your business. And then finally, your people, which is where I come in on a lot of things, your people make your company. Like you said, you can't replace the CEO. We can't replace the CEO. You always have to have people who can have those talents that can come in and take some of those things off of your plate as a CEO and make your company grow and flourish. But I think that's kind of one of the mental roadblocks that small businesses have to get over in order to understand that they need those things to grow. So let's talk a little bit about when you are approaching the funding stage. That's always fun. Um, a lot of small businesses say, you know, I need money, I need money, I need funding. And there's this big push, especially with shows like Shark Tank and West Texas Investors Club and The Profit. And, you know, I love all of those shows. But I think it sets this perception that, you can just have an idea and start a business and people are going to give money to you as long as you can pitch right. But there are a lot of things that go in behind the scenes before you even, you're even ready to pitch. And that's one of the reasons why I started Incubate to Accelerate because you got to get investment ready, you know, and some of that is legal aspects that you have to get ready to be able to go for funding or, or, or approach an investor. So let's talk a little bit about what are some of the key things that people should know on the legal side before they even consider looking for an investment partner. <laughs> right, absolutely. Um, well, one of the things is you definitely want to have your organizational um, documents in order. Any, any serious investor is going to either insist on seeing what you have in place mm -hmm. or they're going to insist on having this in place. And 
at the time you're bringing in an investment is really not the time to get into it for, and see these type of documents for the very first time. Mm -hmm. um, the reason why I say that is navigating the formation documents, I find that the, the most useful aspect of it is the process. Mm -hmm. It's the process of teasing out all of the different um, scenarios that can happen between two partners, all the different ways that the business might need to go forward without um, one of the original founders, mm -hmm. um, all of the reasons why the business might need to wrap up and what happens with that. And it really forces you to think about the life cycle of the business, your role in it, how that could change, and where ultimate authority is going to rest because mm -hmm. a lot of investors are not going to accept a situation where you've got an even split amongst the owners. They're going to want to see that at some point one person can emerge and have ultimate authority mm. over the others to keep the business moving forward so that it doesn't get deadlocked in the event of an owner dispute. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, you know, that's the first thing, and it's something that you don't want to explore for the very first time in the middle of trying to raise funds, even if it has to be changed later uh, to accommodate certain investor interests. Mm -hmm. uh, at least you could have some familiarity and some uh, have built up a knowledge base on what these documents look like, how to handle them, how to negotiate them, the differences between the different terms. Right. So that what I I would say is one of the biggest tips mm -hmm. um, concerning that. The second part is you really want to make sure your IP is tied up. That happens in part through governing documents. Um, and when I say IP, I mean intellectual property. I mm -hmm. mean anything of value that's not, um, that extends beyond simply a tangible good. Uh, you want to have the right to sell something, the right to develop it, the right to license it to others, mm -hmm. the right to incorporate it into other works, and that something can be um, an invention, it can be uh, branding aspects, it could be, um, it could be many different things, and broadly speaking, what I mean by that is intellectual property, mm -hmm. inventions. Uh, and, and processes. Excuse me? And processes too, correct? And processes too, right. yes. Depending mm -hmm. upon the way those processes are developed and deployed, yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so as part of governing documents, usually that will be organized, um, the owner's assignment of the IP and inventions to the company or to the corporation will be part of that. But mm -hmm. as you develop your business, you're likely dealing with independent contractors, uh, the talent part of it, right? Independent mm -hmm. contractors, employees, business partners. You're probably talking with a lot of people. People are actually probably making contributions to the development of this IP, of these inventions. And you want to make sure that whatever they're doing doesn't give them co-inventor rights, something very important to know, and doesn't give... Um, and doesn't give them a claim to the IP. An investor is going to want to see that and be and feel secure mm -hmm. in terms of there not being a significant claim later on. This is particularly true for technology-based businesses mm -hmm. when hiring development firms um, and not having a, a really clear assignment of all IP as opposed to taking a license in right. some of the works that the development firm has created. Right, because that can get sticky and really jam up the, the trajectory of the business when you don't have that clearly identified. Exactly, exactly. Um, I would say a fourth tip is 
uh, general compliance matters, these are not, you know, for the most part, people are scared to deal with issues that they feel like they know they're running in a gray area or they know they're probably not in compliance. And it's interesting because people, uh, a lot of the companies I work with, you know, I tell them, hey, you know, there's an amnesty program for this. We can just get you into that. We can find out what the penalties are going to be. I can have, a, you know, some conversations about it, and we can get some sort of assessment of what that would look like. But you can at least get that fear off of your back in terms of what happens mm -hmm. if one day, you know, you get an inquiry, right. right? You want to make sure you have something in place for compliance, uh, not only on the back end, but on the front end. Mm -hmm. And that makes sure that you're investors are going to see that as a sign that you're not just looking to scale, 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 but also that you have thought about mm -hmm. their position as an investor and what um, that rapid growth, what um, risks could be brought in the future from that rapid growth. I think right. from what I have seen, it is certainly something, and in terms of my own position when investing, it's something I look at um, to feel secure about so that my investment isn't being used later on to put out fires. Right. And I would say the fourth thing is, um, what, a legal tip when it comes to dealing with investors is, before you talk to anyone, start talking to a lawyer. Mm -hmm. um, not being listed on a stock exchange does not mean that the SEC doesn't care about you. They still care about you. They care a lot about private companies and they care a lot about um, how they're bringing in money, how they're raising money, mm -hmm. and there, you know, the regulations. It may seem daunting, and it may seem unfamiliar, but it's actually not nearly, I think, as difficult as people believe to be compliant. Right. But you can't possibly know what are the right and wrong things to do unless you're in a position to make a phone call and talk to someone who's both knowledgeable and who's knowledgeable, who knows your business, and is someone that you trust. Right. So, you know, a lot of times it's a very easy thing to pick up on and say, hey, it's fine for you to do this, but we need to check something, and after checking it out, we need to make a change, mm -hmm. right? These are all things that, um, you know, the, the regulations are, I would say for the most part, they're clear. Um, there are very few gray areas, and the type of things that I see that people get into trouble with when trying to bring in investor funds are things that are pretty well settled, mm -hmm. um, giving inappropriate finder's fees to unregistered brokers, for example. Um, this happens so, so very often, mm -hmm. um, but you've got to be talking to your counsel on a regular basis and looping them in on what's going on and giving them an opportunity to uh, know what's going on in the business and and. and being able to provide input um, and raise red flags. And they're not even really red flags. It's just a matter, I mean, that's what your counsel is there for, is to be a part of the team, to report to executives, and to highlight um, highlight legal issues that are impacting the operations. Mm -hmm. Okay, great tips. I love those tips. Now, here's here's the thing that people have, have asked me about. A lot of times people say, well, these, these kind of topics or these kind of tips only apply to people who have maybe a tech company or they have a product like a skincare product or something like that. And there are companies out there that feel, well, we're off the radar. So those things don't apply to me. What would you say to those companies? Because they feel that, you know, we have to start, we're taught, people who are starting businesses are taught 
run lean, operate lean. And they take that to heart, like literally take that to heart. And they figure we're not part of that. We don't need to be regulated. We're not financial services. We're not the tech industry. What do you say to companies like that, that are still on that small scale that are thinking about expanding and growing, but think that they don't, that, that, that stuff doesn't apply to them. (laughs) I, I would say if you're off the radar, a great way to stay off the radar is to, is, is not to look at the best practices of mm-hmm. those who are on the radar. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to look, it, it, it's so interesting, last week I just put out, um, well in October I put out a LinkedIn post, and um, and part of that was talking about how at some point you have to stop looking at where you are and the small incremental improvements that you're making from there, and think about where you want to be mm-hmm. and how big that gulf is, and what is it that people are doing who are where you want to be. If you are off the radar and you're not getting the legal help that you need, you have to ask yourself, is that what what the companies are doing and the businesses that are, is that what they're doing? Who are where I want to be? And that right there is going to be the most telling um, aspect of whether you need to have a different viewpoint of that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not saying it's not easy navigating when to bring in counsel and how much effort to put towards it. I'm not saying that at all. I've actually been in a position of being a full-time CEO mm-hmm. of a company totally unrelated, a beverage manufa- manufacturing company. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at that time I was a CEO, not the general counsel. And it meant because we were running lean that I knew there were areas that needed attention that I simply could not put attention to because it wasn't my job to be the GC, it was to be the CEO. Right. And it meant that I had to make some hard choices about legal compliance. And as an attorney, obviously, that made me concerned. But these are the choices that we make. And um, But at some point, you have to find it within you and within the company a way forward so that you're not shooting yourself in the foot when it comes to legal. And I do believe that increasingly that gap is being filled. I mean, this was a big reason why I decided to move back into full-time practicing and near exclusive focus on practicing and building a firm for this segment is because I do feel like there are some serious gaps that aren't being filled when it comes to to having available counsel, accessible counsel, and counsel that is truly integrated into a startup's operations in a meaningful way. Um, So I get that. I totally get that. But you have to make a choice Mm -hmm. about where you want to be. And you have to find a way um, to make that happen. And you have to reach out to those legal providers who are trying to meet you where you are, Mm -hmm. um, who, who can appreciate where you are, who, who is willing to look at you, uh, look with you at the gaps mm-hmm. and create a path forward to get you to where you want to go. And right. you can do it on terms that work for you. Right. Absolutely. I agree. So if someone wanted to approach you and have a consultation and talk to you about what you do and how you can help their business, first tell us what's the best way to reach you. <laughs> so... Best way to reach me is phone call. <laughs> I have an 888 number actually. Mm-hmm. Um, 888-886-1577 extension one. Mm-hmm. Um, the other way is, I mean, I'm on Twitter quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you can always tweet me. You can, in fact, on my LinkedIn profile, I have all of this information, email, phone number. It's a public profile. Anybody can see it regardless of whether they're a connection. Mm -hmm. And the first thing is to make contact. Uh, and, and you will get swept up into our system of making sure that we reach out to you. But the second thing is, you, you know, you have to be available. A lot of times people reach out and even trying to get the phone call and play <laughs> the initial phone call and play is difficult so you know you have to ask yourself if you really want an attorney and you're trying to find one that works for you how much have you organized yourself to provide meaningful information and to be accessible right now there are definitely situations where it's a little bit like parachuting out of the sky and into a situation to to fix a critical issue that definitely happens <laughs> quite a bit um but you don't want to wait until you're in that critical situation to reach out. <laughs> you know, the reality is it just simply, when you wait until, I tell people, you got to start talking to attorneys before you're ready to hire one and be upfront about where you are mm -hmm. in the process, right? Don't, don't pretend that you're ready to hire if you're not. Just be honest. Mm -hmm. And those that walk away and aren't interested in talking to you, it's very telling. Yeah. Right. So the first thing is you want to start talking to attorneys before you're ready to hire one. You want to be honest about where you are and when you think you'll be ready. Mm -hmm. um, and then they'll let you know what sort of avenue you can engage and you know, how you can engage with them in a way that works for them, but still makes them accessible to you. Right. Some won't. And you'll know that they might not be a good fit for you. Right. Then as you get closer, um, you want to engage an attorney before you feel like there's a critical need to address a specific issue. And here's why. You wait until you're in a specific situation. Then the focus, it means you have less time. Mm -hmm. you, you usually have less time to remedy the situation. It probably means you have fewer options for resolving the situation. And it also means it's likely to be more expensive. Yes. Not only that, whatever your fix is going to be is not looking at the business holistically, mm -hmm. right? It's not looking at what is the solution that will benefit not just this situation, but the business as a whole. And why is that? Because there's simply no time. Right. There's been no ramp up. There's been no runway. There's been no opportunity for the attorney to know what else is going on. And sometimes these things that you're not mentioning that they may not know about will actually impact and, and, ha and have an effect on the advice we would have given yeah. had we known, right? And, you know, that's just the situation that it's in. It's hard to know what's relevant if this isn't your field of practice. And that's why you want somebody involved before a major issue mm -hmm. arises. Absolutely. I agree. Well, thank you so much for all of your great advice. And let me say this, guys, because I know my listeners don't do this, but I have to put <laughs> it out there anyway. Just because she has opened her phone number to you and her email and her website and her Twitter does not mean she's going to be giving you advice on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and all of that. She is a professional and should be treated as such, and just as you guys should be. But I know my listeners wouldn't do that. They wouldn't abuse that. So I'm just going to put that out there for those who may have the idea that they could just tweet her and get their legal problems solved. It doesn't work like that. So <laughs> have to put that disclaimer out there because, you know, there's some that will try. But definitely you should really, really consider speaking with attorneys. And, and like Lenore said, 
talk to several t attorneys. You know, you have to interview. It's an interview process to see which one works best for you. Now, I wouldn't be calling a bankruptcy attorney if I'm looking for someone to help me with IP. So you have to make sure that you find the right attorney who specializes in what your specific need is. And of course, it's great to always have a general counsel that's around for you. Um, Lenore, tell me this. Is there a way, I know that companies, big companies do this, where they have a dedicated general counsel, but is there, is there some kind of service, or maybe you could start one of these services, where a small business can contract out a general a general counsel. Uh, you know, it's it's true, and a lot of um, a lot of practitioners offer a general counsel service to startups. Mm -hmm. But what I tell people is, you really, you know, there are several companies that I work with as their chief legal counsel, mm -hmm. and you really want to ask yourself, what does it mean to have a, a, a general counsel, a chief legal counsel, a chief legal officer, mm -hmm. right? And that means more than just having someone on retainer or having right. one regular person that you go to. Um, what you want is someone who takes responsibility for this role within the company. That means that they are setting budgets mm -hmm. when, as it relates to legal matters. You know, for these clients, I set budgets. The budgets cover not just my fees, but any other counsel fees. Um, it covers costs, filing fees, mm -hmm. uh, compliance issues. It also means having a, you know, usually three, over the course of three or four quarters, a scope of ongoing legal needs as well, well as critical needs. So, right. for example, we'll discuss compliance issues with training and HR. We'll probably schedule some compliance training for executives mm -hmm. at a, a retreat or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, we'll review and audit uh, contracts mm -hmm. and um, practices and update, update them. It means really being responsible, but you have to, one, be willing to give this individual the power to do that, and number two, the person that you choose has to understand that that's what it means to be a chief legal counsel. Right. It is There's a lot of management involved. It's not just about turning around a document on mm -hmm. demand. There's a lot of management involved. There's a lot of reporting to the executives. There's a lot of advice and guidance. Mm -hmm. So if you're approaching it from a transactional standpoint of how many hard deliverables will I get, you might have a problem with a general counsel relationship. It actually may not be what you want. You may right. just simply want someone where who regularly turns around documents for you and you still manage things like budget, scope, priorities, and pacing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Any final advice you want to offer? Any final parting words you want to offer to the audience? You know, the main thing I tell people is you've got to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. And whatever has happened, a lot of times people come to me and, and the feeling is, I know we should have been doing this. I know we should have been doing that. Mm -hmm. And my attitude is you're here now. Yep. You're here now. So let's talk candidly. Mm -hmm. about where you are and how to get you to where you want to go. And that's that's just the situation. That's the only way to move you out of that. So you have to, at some point, simply let go of what has happened before right. and start to really engage with someone in a way where they can help you as you get closer to mm -hmm. that end goal and to the path that you actually want to be on. So in other words, the final thing I would say also is, back to Lenore's point, you have to find someone with the same intensity, the same, the same detail, the same um, care that you would a CFO. The same way you would have someone come in and kind of take over complete control of the financial status of your company to run that piece of it, you have to give that same 
care and diligence to someone who's coming in as a chief legal counsel. So think of it in those terms. I think if if we put it like that, I think it makes it more appetizing for small businesses who are kind of on the fence about do I need legal counsel? Should I get, you know, should I talk to someone? But I think that that kind of puts it in perspective for them. If you give it the same weight that you do your CFO, the the decision is a no-brainer. It's easier to make at that point for you. So, but thank you Lenore for coming in and definitely giving some words of wisdom, dropping some jewels and some knowledge to my audience. And guys, you know, you can reach her. She's on Twitter and she gave her phone number. Give your phone number one more time and your Twitter handle. Sure. The number is 888-886-1577 extension one. Mm -hmm. And my Twitter handle, uh, my personal handle is just directly my name at Lenore Horton. Mm -hmm. So that's at L E N O R E H O R T O N. All right, now, thank you so much. So, guys, you got it straight from the person who knows best. Get yourself some legal counsel. We'll catch you next time on the next podcast. So there you have it. Here are your recap tips. Know how and when to select and retain counsel. Don't focus on the cost or perceived expense. An attorney can work to protect you but cannot be the CEO or run your company for you. And general compliance matters, so don't make excuses. In other news, let's talk about some of the things that's being reported. Facebook brings female entrepreneur campaign to Taiwan. Facebook has bought its She Means Business campaign to Taiwan, but a lot more needs to be done to level the playing field. Next in the news, the sobering lesson of a good jobs report. The implication is that growth in output per worker productivity is lagging here in the United States. Underlining the point, the current recovery has so far relied on consumer spending much more than investment, which remains in the doldrums. Companies that don't invest don't get more productive. And finally, few small businesses take advantage of many IPOs. Some companies aren't prepared for all the marketing required to attract potential investors. Well, good thing that we have mogul chicks because guess what? We prepare companies, female-founded companies, to get investment dollars. To read more about these stories that are in the news, make sure you go to mogulchicks.com slash blog and look at this episode's blog post and the links are there for these three stories. I want to thank everyone for tuning in and listening. I am very happy and very thankful that Lenore Horton was able to join us and give us some insight on what it takes to plan a legal strategy for your company, no matter what size it is. Very important to learn. Don't think of it as an expense. It is a mandatory line item that needs to go in your budget. So make sure you get an attorney. And let's talk a little bit about the Mogul Chicks Weekend Intensive in September, September 24th to the 25th. We are hosting the Mogul Chicks Weekend Intensive down in Miami, Florida. So go ahead and register now. It is $8.99 per person, per founder. If you bring a partner or co-founder, that's an additional $250. So you end up saving if you go together and split the difference. Or if you just want to come to one of the day sessions, Saturday or Sunday, it's $500 for each day. And it's a full day intensive in meals of course on us so make sure you go ahead to mogulchicks.com slash weekend dash intensive and register come on a full day 
we're not playing we're growing companies we're growing growing leaders and we're growing teams remember if you have a question or you want to join the show or you know someone who would make a great guest on the show let us know send an email to mogulchicks at gmail.com or info at mogulchicks.com or you can tweet us on twitter at mogulchicks or tweet me personally at talent diva i'm always looking to spotlight great people who have done great things who can give my audience some value thanks again for tuning in and remember Mogul chicks are always a step ahead of the crowd and mogul chicks close deals.